You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm your host, Kane Pittman, joined by the founder of BrewHoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And there's no ad read. I, I feel like kind of lost about this. Uh, there will be tomorrow, but there's no Manscaped. There's no Wallabies talk. Uh, which, by the way, I don't know if you saw this, Frank, but yesterday I, I tweeted out uh, Marcus Smart taking a savage blow below the belt. And there was, there was some good Twitter interaction there. So unfortunately for Marcus Smart, uh, that one looked like that was going to sting for a while. But it was a bit of fun for me. I feel like Marcus Smart's probably had his uh, his share of uh, he's been on the the giving end of uh, enough yeah like random chippy stuff that that maybe harmed other people's wallabies that you know it's. Kind of a, I don't know if it's a ball don't lie or wallabies don't lie or, or balls don't the, lie. That's a good one. I like yeah, that. Balls don't lie. Um, what 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 it would be, but uh, but yeah, um, don't like to see that happen to anyone. Um, and Bucks nearly taking one figuratively in the Wallabies tonight um, against Shit. Oklahoma City Thunder. Uh, I, I guess you could say they got one from Boyan Bogdanovich on Friday night uh, as he hit that game winner to fend off the Bucks. Um, impressive comeback uh but thankfully for the bucks on sunday the uh, order is somewhat restored a little bit hairier hairier than you'd like and probably the the most important thing coming out of sunday is you know chris middleton leaving the game with a what was termed a thigh contusion so uh certainly a good timing in the sense that the bucks have three days off uh before they play the bulls later this week so that that timing is helpful um but obviously if chris middleton's out you know like a couple of weeks or something like that. This would be a costly win, but you know, until we find out more, obviously uh, always good to finish a road trip on a winning note in the Bucks finishing off that trip three and one frustrating in the sense that you felt like you could have, uh, you know, won some of these games more convincingly that you could have maybe pulled something out in Utah on Friday night. But uh, all in all, I mean, if you told me in advance, the Bucks would go three and one on this trip, I, I would have said, yeah, take that. That's, that's just fine. You went three out of four, you're winning 60 games. Uh, you went through a four on the road. Uh, you're, you're in a pretty good place and obviously lots to work on stuff for the Bucks. but uh, they come back uh, to Milwaukee with, uh, I'd say, a successful road trip. Yeah, it was kind of a, a weird trip, wasn't it? Because, yeah, they go three and one and, and I sort of tweeted that out. I was like, well, you're not going to complain with that, particularly in, in November, anytime you have a, a multiple game road trip against the West and you win you know, three out of four, you, you'll take it. But, it probably could have easily been one and three when you think back to the Clippers game and then obviously uh, tonight uh, against the Thunder. But I, I just felt to me that this game was the ultimate end of a road trip. We know we're better than you. We're probably going to win this game, but we can't really be bothered. 
And in the end, again, it was it was Giannis in the second half that really uh, blew this one apart. And five straight games now uh, of 30 points for Giannis. And we often talk about the fact that we probably gloss over Giannis or take far too long in a podcast to talk, talk about Giannis. But uh, I was just looking at the numbers and across the five game, 30 point uh, streak, he's now averaging 34.6 points, 15 rebounds, six assists on 60% from the field, 42% from three, 68% from the free throw line. I'm just going to whisper that one. But outside of that, I mean, he is, he's on another level right now. Like he, he is not human. And the craziest part is, you know, especially because obviously we're, we're, we haven't spoken since the Friday night game in, in Utah, but I mean, he's had a lot of pretty underwhelming or, underwhelming by his standards first halves and yeah. i mean the friday night was underwhelming by anyone's standards i mean oh for seven <laughs> just two points in the first half after you know that national tv dominance in la to follow that up with i mean a very meek first half by the bucks in general and, and Giannis in particular his first three shots all three pointers um I'm not sure if the, I did, did I hear that right? The Bucks didn't attempt, or at least they didn't make a shot at the rim in the first half, or something like that against Utah. I mean, the, it certainly jazz, felt like that. I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, the Jazz just completely walled off the paint, and the Bucks just sort of, you know, again, I think this is going to be a theme for them this season. Um, you know, if Giannis isn't getting the rim, if Bledsoe's not getting the rim, um, and they're just playing drive and kick. If they miss shots from the perimeter, I mean, it, it can be a very be a very long half, and certainly fifty five to thirty five at halftime on Friday night. I think I remember that the percentage was like they shot twenty two percent or something in the first half. It, I mean, just just an atrocious shooting night. I think Middleton had had three triples, um, which was it seemed like the bulk of the shot making that that was happening in that first half against Utah. And um, I mean, though, to return to Giannis, though, I mean it would have been hard for him to have a worse first half. I don't think, you know, he's ever had, I mean, has he ever scored 21 points in a quarter before? I mean, the, his third quarter was, was insane um, to kind of just completely jolt the bucks back to life. Um, you know, taking out the the paddles and, uh, and giving them a charge after the, the patient was, uh, uh, you know, had flatlined and, uh, you know, again, frustrating in that game because, Man, those last few minutes of the game, it felt like it was there for the taking. Giannis, again, um, fouls out late in the late going. Bledsoe and Middleton and Giannis all missing really felt like makeable shots. I mean, it felt like Bledsoe and, and Middleton had like a few like runners they couldn't get to go. Giannis, I think, was frustrated, thought he might have gotten taken some contact on a couple of missed shots that were close to the basket. And ultimately, obviously, in spite of that, I mean, they were down. Weren't they down eight for a moment in the last couple minutes? I think. And yeah, somehow, I think it was, I think it was 100 to 94 when Giannis fouled out with about 53 seconds left. I think off the top of my yeah. head. Yeah, and I think um, I want to say I thought that they were momentarily down eight, but either way, um, Gobert missing free throws uh, and the Bucks just kind of clawing their way back in, and then. They get a stop, and on the rebound, Gobert pulls Middleton's jersey. Uh, I mean, they weren't going to get the rebound anyway, uh, and that sends Chris to the line for for two free throws. And you know, somehow you're tied uh, with what eight seconds left, and then 
you get just an outstanding defensive play from George Hill, just stripping the ball clean from Donovan Mitchell. And with two point, and he, and he calls a timeout. Yeah. Um, so with 2.3 seconds Maybe too left, quickly. I mean, Maybe he was yeah, too quick. <laughs> seriously. I mean, so to, to have the ball with 2.3 seconds left, you know, midcourt with the ball, you're thinking at least we're going to overtime. Giannis is out, but at a minimum, you're going to go to overtime. Um, and so to conjure up a buzzer-beating loss out of that um, obviously is is tough. And, you know, I I mean, I, I, I was – I can't remember if it was with you, Kane, or if it was somebody else, but I was – I was kind of complaining. I think it was um, after the the Heat game where, uh, you know, they always – Bud always seems to want to run actions to get Chris Middleton the ball in the corner on these sort of last-second shots. And, you know, we saw Middleton kind of miss one that Giannis tipped in to send it in overtime. We saw him miss one um, that late in the overtime and in this one, uh, Rudy Gobert commented, our, our friend Eric name reported afterwards that like Rudy Gobert was like, yeah, they always run that play. <laughs> and Lopez <laughs> set the screen. And unfortunately, that meant Gobert pretty much just was like sw- ready to swallow up Middleton alive in the corner. And Chris turns around, pumps, and realizes he's about to get, you know, stifled by the, the, uh, the Eiffel Stifle Tower, or whatever <laughs> we're calling him now, and ends up traveling which again i mean chris has to do better i mean if he pump fakes he might even be able to draw a foul who knows yeah. right but he's not expecting to see go bear there and somehow not only do you not get a shot off but you turn the ball over and give them a chance and then chris unfortunately i mean he just bit on bogdanovich's you know just kind of fake like he was going to run to the top and then cuts to the corner and um i mean a great shot from from boyan bogdanovich so a tough last two seconds from chris middleton who you know, moments before had, had tied the game and I forgot what he had on the night, but kind of, kind of tough nights for the Bucks because um, just felt like, you know, they, they fought their way back into that game against Utah. They really did have a chance um, before, before like kind of the crazy last minute comeback. I mean, they really had a chance to play from the front and just could never, could never get over the hump of that game. And, you know, both Bledsoe and Middleton, you know, Decent sort of raw stat lines, but, um, you know, Middleton, five out of eight from three, but only eight out of 10, 22 from the field. So just three out of 14 on twos. Bledsoe, one out of six on threes, eight out of 20 from the field. He scored 22 with eight rebounds, five assists. So, I mean, you know, it was pretty much the the Bucks' best three players were the only ones that scored on Friday night. Nobody else had more than seven points. But, um, you know, unfortunately, Giannis, after that 0 for 7 half, even with a tremendous second half, still 10 out of 22 eight out of 13 from the line Middleton, as we said, 26 points on 22 shots, Bledsoe 22 on 20 shots. You know, you're never going to have an efficient, you know, uh, kind of number one league scoring offense in the league night against Utah when your best three players are the only ones scoring and they're not scoring efficiently. So um, yeah, frustrating way to lose. And unfortunately the, uh, the, the Utah hex, uh, whatever it is, you know, 18 years is, is going to go <laughs> to 19 years in terms of uh, bucks not being able to claim a win. Yeah, the, the, yeah. The end of that game was was clearly. I mean, I don't think that you can have a worse two point three seconds. As you sort of touched no. on, if if you have that ball on the sideline, like you just can't have any other result other than over. You know, you either win or overtime. Like you can't lose. <laughs> like yeah. that, that's what you can't let happen. But it was funny looking at. Uh, I read that story from Eric as well. And and first of all, I mean that that quote from Gobert is is pretty depressing. If, if you're a Bucks fan, to hear him go. 
yeah, well, I mean, that's what they run all the time. I knew it was coming. But uh, it was funny watching that that same play that they ran against Miami because uh, Bam Adebayo was the big in that scenario against Miami. And it was just very clear that uh, it, it it once you looked at those two plays side by side, because Milton actually got a pretty good look in that Miami game and, and the three rattled out. I mean, it became obvious, obvious, you know, Gobert has that quote. But when you look at that, I mean, he was all over Milton. And it's kind of a strange play. I mean, I see a lot of people commenting on this, and, and I, I tend to agree that if you're trying to get the ball into the corner where you're inbound in, I mean, clearly that's the spot where there's going to be a lot of traffic. And if you're the guy that's working, if you have two sets of pairs, one on, on the far wing and then one uh, right in front of you here inbounding the ball, and you have Brooke Lopez as the guy working with Middleton, it's like, I, I don't know. To me, it, it's like you want that big and, and subsequently the, the opposition center in the place where there's the most space. And it, yeah, Gobert clearly was a step ahead of this play. But, but anytime you, you let a guy with Gobert's length when it's, there's already going to be a, a bunch of traffic in that corner anyway, chances are you're going to make life difficult for yourself. And, and Milton, you know, clearly in the end, I mean, he, he, just, has to, uh, he just has to let go of the ball. Like he, he just can't come down with it and then time probably expires anyway. But uh, I, I did tweet some numbers out and after that game because I don't know, like as, as people that, that watch the Bucks night in, night out, I mean, there's just, there's no way that you have any type of comfort with the Bucks uh, having a, a sideline ball or, or a stoppage, and then a play to either tie the game or win the game, or uh, you know, be in that last shot situation. They just have not done well. I mean, it's hard to remember them winning a game where it wasn't just a sort of a fluke play, like or, or you know, individual brilliance, like Giannis against Miami, where he he snatches the ball in midair uh, and sort of and, and lays it in. There's not too many times that I can ever remember, you know, the Bucks drawing up a play and and scripting up a, an open three and it goes down. I mean, even the the Phoenix winner with Middleton, that was a, a banked shot. It was kind of a, a broken play. Even the the Miami game was just complete chaos and it ended up yeah. in Middleton's hands. I mean, they they just haven't been able to draw up a, a play. And when I when I uh, looked at the numbers, it was. Uh, they're eight for twenty-five, and and these numbers aren't perfect because like a, a situation like the Middleton one doesn't count because it's actually a turnover and not a, a, a shot attempt. But eight for twenty-five since the start of two thousand seventeen eighteen, when taking a shot with five seconds left in regulation or overtime to tie or take the lead. So eight for twenty-five, and and only two for fifteen on jump shot attempts. So this is just something that the the Bucks just have not been able to figure out. Yeah, I mean, eight out of twenty-five feels generous. Uh, yeah, you know, I think I think probably a couple of those are are Giannis um, yeah. had in the seventeen eighteen season. He had a couple of like you know like the the one he had against the Knicks at home against Cantor. Uh, he had the you know did he step on the out of bounds line? Yeah, probably. You know, Oklahoma <laughs> City for that that late dunk. Um, so you know, again, that's some of those some of those numbers uh, that went the right way. Um, but I think the jump shooting kind of tells the the story in a lot of ways there um just a lot of a lot of missed uh jump shots late and and yeah i don't know i mean again like with um with some of the especially this year with some of the guys you have you know and you were able to you know if you're able to throw a corver out there now late in games uh he doesn't play tonight did play in utah um had a i believe they said head contusion kept him out of uh tonight's game which you know i think is fine right i mean you've got guys that can step yeah. in tonight we saw a lot more sterling browns and pat Connaughton. Um, 
but uh but yeah i mean it's <laughs> I, I, they're gonna have to think of something else remind me what was it it was it uh in the seventeen eighteen season when um draymond green said the exact same thing about a late game play where he read um was it like yeah. a wiper play or something and green kind of just blew it up and he said yeah they always run that play in games i think that was against the jason kidd era bucks um but uh yeah i mean again it's, it's kind of funny because a lot of times like coming out of timeouts um the bucks actually have really nice play designs but those yeah. are usually where they actually have some clock to work with not uh situations where it's you have two seconds to get a shot off right which is a very difficult thing and i i would also say this i think in principle, I think a lot of the reason why you see that specific pass is because it is essentially it takes the in the defender on the inbounds sort of out of the play, you know, because if you're trying to make a pass into the center of the court, it's difficult because you've got a guy and oftentimes a very large guy jumping up trying to deny that that pass to the center of the court. And so I think one of the appealing reasons to run an action that's really along the the the, the you know the the, the sideline there is because you have kind of an unencumbered angle as a passer to that play. But the downside is, you know, you're putting Middleton typically in a weird, like, you know, you're kind of in that like weird little box there along the end line. And obviously at that point, you know, you've got to get your footwork right, especially if you're down three, it's really hard, you know, on that, that corner there because you really don't have a lot of real estate and you're catching, turning, someone's having to take a dribble and you've got obviously defenders. And I think I want to say, Someone's going to remember this. I don't know if you remember it, Kane. Wasn't there a play last year where Middleton, and, and I'm not saying it was on a play of that type, type of play. Wasn't there a play where Middleton got a ball? Um, was it New Orleans? I, I forget. No, it wasn't New Orleans last year. Maybe it was a couple years ago. But he caught a ball, and it was like a last-second play, and he shot it, and it was after the buzzer, and he like he like hesitated uh, and yeah. then shot it and, and hit it, but it was after, it was clearly after – the buzzer sounded i forget who that was against but maybe people can tweet at us and remind us but i definitely I remember that game yeah 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 so i mean it uh, kind of another example right like that didn't count as a missed shot because it wasn't a shot <laughs> and Bruh. unfortunately it went in but it was after the buzzer so um so yeah i mean i think certainly uh late game execution uh, at times leaving uh leaving something to be desired although I would say, I know we're jumping around a little bit, but... Just to jump in, that was Phoenix. Uh, so that was after the oh, Jamal Crawford yeah. uh, game oh, winner. God, that, so the that Milton, was horrible. Yeah, so, I mean, you were, you were right there. That was that exact one where it's like, yeah, if, if he doesn't pump fake, he, the Bucks probably win the game. They lost 116-114. Yeah, killer. Um, but I think the irony was, um, I think, the, I think the, the Thunder game actually reminded me a lot of the Clipper game in the sense that the Bucks had, you know, seemingly kind of gotten the, you know, it was, it was, it wasn't like a game that the Bucks like raced out to a big lead and, and then just kind of give like blew the lead or something like that. It wasn't yeah. like the heat, the, the heat game or something like that. Um, you know, I think this game, the Bucks were actually trailing at halftime I mean, the Clippers game, they were winning, but, um, but this game, it kind of felt like they made those winning plays sort of in the mid to late part of the fourth quarter blood. So, I mean, but this was, I mean, I mean, one of the best passing games yeah. I think I've seen Bledsoe have. Like, he just had a couple gorgeous backdoor feeds to Middleton early, to Connaughton. He had that great pass to Giannis, which gave them, what was it, like, a, a I think an 11-point lead. I think it was 112-101 uh, um, with, like, two or three minutes left tonight. And you thought, okay, that's the, that's the exclamation point on this game. Um, 
but it, it didn't feel like the I mean, it felt like the Bucks kept making plays, but uh, you know, Bledsoe then did have that bad turnover oh. in the final minute, which was really bad. And then probably the most bizarre play, which I, I honestly cannot remember seeing this in a game. <laughs> I've, I've seen a five second sort of, you know, we've all seen five second inbound plays sort of like after timeouts where the defense is set and like, you know, like those types of situations. But, you know, I think it was Brooke Lopez picks up the ball to inbound it after, you know, I think it was like with 45 seconds left or something like that. And Giannis then tells him, no, no, you come out because Giannis is thinking fouls, right? He's saying, let me inbound because Brooks a great free throw shooter. And then Giannis gets it and then basically waits a couple seconds looking to make a pass and they whistle him for a five second call, which I don't know about you. I, I actually had never even like realized that if you, you know, that the clocks there, the, the count starts with the first guy who touches it yeah. just because you're never used to the, a scenario like that. But um, it's very strange call in a pretty strange game. And to me, I mean, the last couple of minutes were kind of like, you know, I was having Landry Shamit flashbacks where they just started <laughs> banging, you know, these crazy threes. And it was Dennis Schroeder and, and Gallinari hit uh, one or two crazy ones late as well. Um, so game probably was closer than it should have been, but I, I don't know. I mean, like I would look at this as a game that felt like the Bucks did play well enough to win. It didn't, you know, as much as it was a two point did margin, Paul hits a running three at the buzzer to make it a two point game rather than five. This felt like a game that for the most part, the Bucks actually like, I mean, it didn't feel like they were bad. I mean, on the one hand they give up, you know, 39 fourth quarter points, which I know Bud sounded pissed off about <laughs> justifiably. Um, but they also scored 34 themselves. And, you know, as much as Bledsoe and, and even Giannis were not as efficient as you'd like on Friday, tonight, really efficient, really good Bledsoe scoring and dishing, uh, which was especially important on the night when Middleton leaves in the third quarter with that high contusion injury. Yeah, it was it was an interesting uh, point guard matchup because Anaro, you know, much like the uh, the other night against Utah, where the conversation or a lot of the conversation uh, centered around oh Middleton and Bogdanovich, you know, whatever Bogdanovich hits a winner over Middleton, which you know, for the the storylines of 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 Chris Middleton is probably not uh, the best thing for him. But then tonight you see a, a bunch of stuff pregame just from Bucks, you know, fans musing about Chris Paul and and obviously, uh, you know. Most people expect. I mean, it's going to be hard, hard to do. But you know, most people would expect that the Thunder would be doing whatever they can to to get him off the books. Uh, and tonight, Bledsoe, you already touched on probably his best game for the season. And yeah, uh, you know, the, the nine assists you already touched on on the passing, but twenty five points as well. He hit that big three late that you mentioned. He also had a a really big and one when you, when you thought that the game was was iced, as you said. Uh, but and and. Yeah, following up from that, and one George Hill had that put back to give the Bucks a one fourteen one oh six lead with uh, just sixty four seconds left. So that's how quickly that one fell apart. But Bledsoe's passing—I mean, you touched on it—he just seems uh, in control, uh, a lot more in control uh, than he's been in the past. And and we wondered at the start of the season whether he was just working his way into a little bit of form after missing the the back end of the preseason. But yeah, I mean, he's not a huge assist guy, and part of that is that he has had in the past some limitations with, with his passing, particularly in the pick and roll. Uh, but, but also, you know, the fact that Giannis and Chris have, have so much of the ball and they probably have been better passers than Bled. But we've seen him, uh, you know, tonight there was a nice uh, 
you know, a little drop off to Brook Lopez under the under the hoop for a dunk, which uh, we haven't seen a lot of in in the past. And yeah, I, I think control is the big word. I, I sort of am starting to to trust Eric Bledsoe as a pick and roll uh, passer of the ball, and that's probably not something I've, I've said in the past. Yeah, I think trust and Eric Bledsoe are, are two things right. that probably a lot of. <laughs> I mean, I think understandably a lot of us yeah. are kind of struggling with right. And and again, it's the old thing of you know no matter what he does in the regular season it's the the same question is going to be there in the playoffs given what's happened the last two years but I think you know just from where he was in the first week of the season you know we were I mean starting to think geez I mean he does not look good and um, you know I think the one thing we said was let's give him a couple weeks given he had the rib injury that kept him out of preseason and fortunately I mean that it seems like he just needed a little bit of time to kind of get his, his mojo back. Cause I mean, it's, it's funny. I mean, his, his numbers, he's only averaging, I think, including this tonight plays only 29 minutes tonight. He's only averaging like 26, 27 minutes per game. He's averaging more points per game this yeah. year than last year. His assists are close now. I think he's at about five assists and over six rebounds per game at this point. Um, so, I mean, the nominal numbers are kind of back to where, you know, you would have sort of expected slash hope they are. Um, I think certainly the efficiency is, is on the, the right trajectory. Um, his free throw percentage is, is in the high 70s. And tonight hitting three out of six from deep, including you mentioned he had a really big one where he just sort of sized up the defender and, and buried it with a few minutes left in the game. It seemed like there were like five or six shots that you thought, okay, that, that should be you know enough to keep the Bucks, you know, help the Bucks keep this team at arm's length. And invariably the, the Thunder, to their credit, kind of kept, kept bouncing back. but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you just, you have to be pleased with Bledsoe tonight. I mean, just the, we're seeing the physical toolkit, you know, every night we're seeing him blow by and use that strength, use that quickness or use that quickness and strength. You mentioned um, a tough finish tonight for an and one in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, he darted past, it was, it's an interesting matchup, right? Cause he's obviously defending Chris Paul a fair bit. And obviously the whole Paul subplot, um, I mean, Paul was fine, you know, 17 points on 11 shots, five assists, five rebounds. But I mean, this, this really feels like it's Shea Gilgis Alexander's team. Um, yeah. and you know, Shea 22 points on 19 shots, which actually was less efficient than I, than I expected. Didn't get to the free throw line at all tonight which, you know, is a good, a good sign for those Bucks guards, not just Bledsoe, but, but also George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, um, you know, managing to, to avoid sending him to the line. Um, but he hit some big shots. I mean, he's having a great season, you know, certainly as a young player, um, you know, one of the more interesting young, young players in the league and certainly among kind of combo guards, point guards, he's, he's really talented. Um, but yeah, it's kind of meant Chris Paul, there's kind of less for Chris Paul to do. And especially tonight, I mean, Dennis Schroeder, hits nine out of 12 shots for 25 points. I mean, that it seems like Dennis Schroeder loves playing against the Bucks. I feel like he's had a bunch of really big games going back the last few years. Um, and then you look at his overall numbers and you're like, that, that's not what, that's not what Dennis Schroeder normally does. Uh, but again, uh, you know, you kind of weathered a, a, you know, outlier abnormal shooting performance from him. Uh, Mike Muscala couldn't miss early. It seemed from three and uh, you know, again, this is a night where, where Steven Adams doesn't play, um, which again is obviously, you know, you say is not a good thing in general, but um, New Orleans Noel, I mean, we saw it last year. Yeah. He really frustrated Giannis last year when Giannis, I think didn't make a shot in the first half of that game in OKC and then had a really big second half, but ultimately they lost. Um, 
Noel didn't have as much luck tonight <laughs> slowing down Giannis. Uh, and, uh, you know, but Muscala also, I mean, hit some shots. So they might not have missed Adams as much as, you know, you might have expected, just given the way um, that I think Noel kind of sort of gives them an interesting matchup against Giannis. But, um, but yeah, certainly just getting back to Bledsoe, I think you just have to be happy that he's playing at a high level again um, because, <laughs> I mean, whether you are a believer in Eric Bledsoe or not, um, you, you do not want him struggling because if he's struggling – uh, then you know any chance of of trading him for for some type of value obviously becomes much more difficult. So uh, you know I, I'm I, I've always been well, like I like I said kind of a more of a Bledsoe defender as hard as it's been especially through the playoffs. Um, but obviously encouraging to see him uh, playing at a high level and and certainly on a night like this where Middleton gets hurt. I mean you really needed him to be playing at a high level and certainly when you think when you look back at this road trip, I think his performances on this road trip. I mean he was I think definitely the Bucks' second best player on this trip behind obviously a certain MVP who uh, you know, <laughs> has been absolutely dominant. Yeah. It's interesting that, that uh, going back to one of your points there on, on Dennis Schroeder, uh, 32% career three point shooter, uh, including tonight, he's now played 20 games against the Bucks. And he's shooting a scorching 45% from three against Milwaukee. So for anyone out there that was thinking, because I know that, and I had that number locked in because all I can remember this do, guy doing is banging threes against the Bucks. Like, I, I don't know. He, he did it uh, when he was with Atlanta and uh, had a good game last year with, with the Thunder as well. And he was three for five tonight. And a couple of those came late actually to, you know, keep the keep the thunder or keep the rally uh, alive for them but it was it was kind of strange like when i look at the numbers for the for the thunder from 3 and it was probably more just uh Gilgis alexander and and also Mascala in the first half that made me feel this way but uh okay see so yeah, at like they they couldn't miss from 3 but when you look at, at some of the numbers um you know ferguson goes 1 for 5 and Gallinari 2 for 10 he obviously hits a big, yeah. big one to tie the game but yeah, probably a, a, a little bit uh, disguised by those two two struggling from three. But while I am talking about three-point shooting, we sort of haven't really touched on the fact that, that Brooke Lopez hit a big one. And yeah. once this game gets tied <laughs> at 114, uh, uh, once this game was tied, sorry, with uh, coming uh, about 25 seconds left or around there, uh, Brooke Lopez, man, they, they really needed a basket there because once they, they had a timeout, the scores were tied at uh, 114. You need one. Brooke Lopez coming into the night shooting just 27% from three, was three for seven tonight and, and hits the big one. So, yeah, maybe for him, that's a, that's a big shot for him to get some confidence back because the volume's still there. Uh, he just hasn't been quite at the, at the clip that he's, he was at last season. But, you know, that one was the decisive shot of the game. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's interesting. I mean, I think this just sort of tells you like how, how instinctive it is for people to, you know, just look at the offensive end um, for how a guy's playing. I mean, I think Brooke's been, you know, great for the most part defensively again this season. Um, And, but, but yeah, I mean, his, his, his three point shot has just not been there so far. I mean, came came in tonight shooting 28% from three, 36% overall. 9.8 9.8 points per game. Obviously, just given how many, how, you know, how big of a chunk of of his shots are threes. If he's not hitting threes well, his you know his whole efficiency is going to be really yeah. really take a hit for it. Um, and so I thought a couple couple things that jumped out for me tonight from Brooke. I mean, 
Um, I think it was, keep me honest here, I think it was in the third quarter, Giannis kind of came out and was playing really hard. And he had nine points, I think, in the first, like, you know, seven, seven, eight minutes. And then he, I think he actually, Jim Paschke mentioned that he was, like, kind of signaled for, for a sub because he was kind of getting a little tired. And um, I believe the first possession, I think, after he went to the bench, they ran a, a little action for Brooke. They kind of ran some action to screen for him, come around on the baseline. He sealed really well, ends up getting a bucket, um, you know, basically off like a really deep catch. Uh, I think that was in the second. I think that was the third quarter, not in the first half. But um, that was encouraging just because, obviously, opening night, we see him, you know, get a steady diet of, of post looks. Uh, and, and obviously it was a really big thing for the Bucks to pull that win on Houston. We obviously have not seen a lot of him in the post otherwise. Um, but I think, you know, as you think about how the Bucks can overcome the lack of, uh, you know, diversity in their offense right now, you know, I mean, you really have Giannis and Bledsoe as the attackers. You don't have Brogdon anymore. You can fall into these ruts of being very dependent on just like drive kick and, dudes missing like rhythm semi-contested threes i mean that that was the first half in utah right it was just settling for perfectly decent looks at threes but when those aren't going down how do you you know how do you have a counter for that and um you know tonight we saw a little flash of brooke showing that skill set that we know he has um we saw blood so you mentioned blood so finding him on a pick and roll uh for a dunk um, Brooke had a couple of tough finishes um, at the rim in this game and certainly 15 points on 11 shots. No shot was bigger though than that three he hit, which I would, I mean, so to set the scene here, so the Bucks were up uh, 112-101 when Giannis just like destroys the rim uh, off that Bledsoe no look uh, with a few minutes left, right? And um, at that point, so my daughter, I had been watching the game in our living room. My daughter started to get very annoyed. She wanted to watch Sesame Street, which is a great show, which I love a lot. But <laughs> there's a Bucks game on, right? So I'm just, I tell my wife, well, why don't you put on Sesame Street here? I'll go into our bedroom and watch the game there. So I go into my bedroom, start watching the Bucks game. I'm pacing around, you know, kind of dealing with stuff emotionally here. As I, as I do. <laughs> and uh, eventually, like midway through the fourth quarter, my daughter kind of wanders into uh, into our bedroom. She's twenty, almost 22 months old, to give you guys a frame of reference. Um, and she she's uh, kind of now she's like cool enough to hang out with me while I watch the game. So we sit on the we sit on the, the, the bed and watch the game a little bit. And she's kind of messing around, kind of playing around a little bit. And then she wants to dance. So I play start playing some music. Bucks are winning by 10 points. You know, things feel like they're going well. Giannis hit that three where the ball bounced all over the rim and then goes in. We're all feeling great. We're dancing. My daughter loves to dance to disco music. So I, I put on some Donna Summer on my, my Spotify. <laughs> We're dancing. And then, wait, what's going on in the background? Three after three after three. Wait, they had another three? The game's tied? So if, this, if, if not for my daughter, like, being really happy and dancing with me, I probably would have been just, like, extremely annoyed and wanting to just, like, <laughs> you know, throw my phone through a, uh, you know, a, a window or something. But because my daughter was just being joyful and happy, um, I was like, oh, okay, this isn't great. Uh, but thankfully, Brooke Lopez comes in and um, hits that huge shot, which again, a shot that has not typically been falling for him so far this year. Uh, and so for that to go down, I think, Again, I don't think we're worried about Brooke losing his confidence. I mean, he's going to keep shooting, right? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> you know, that that is, is not a concern. But um, 
he is a guy that I think, again, uh, you obviously want to see that three ball start to fall a bit more than it has. And for him to, I think also, I, I would like to see the Bucks figure out more ways to get him the ball uh, in different places. Cause I think we've seen, obviously he's still the same talented um, post player that, that he has been. And I think especially on this Bucks team that can sometimes fall into a bit of a, you know, sort of, I don't know if, I don't think I want to say complacency, but they can fall into the trap of, you know, settling for, for decent, but not great looks from three. And, and obviously Brooks, one of the, you know, probably the, the third guy after Bledsoe and Giannis who can actually do something different to get the ball uh, around the basket and, and finish with at least a reasonable amount of efficiency there. Yeah. You, you uh, sort of, um, you know, mentioned Brooks play on the defensive end at the start of that. And, you know, we've already touched on before the, how well the, the Bucks are once again uh, defending teams at the rim. And clearly Brooke is a big part of that. And, and I will say, you know, even if Lopez is struggling to shoot the threes, I mean, what he does for this off offense in terms of the the system like doesn't change. Like teams can't uh, or are not going to just let Brook Lopez stand out there on the perimeter. So certainly, it's nice to see him uh, make some shots. And while the numbers are a little bit down, it 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 hasn't you know totally meant that he's lost his you know effectiveness on the floor or or, or to this team. But yeah, a big a big shot tonight to sort of uh, sort of save the box. But. Uh, and just quickly, I mean, well, you, you mentioned what you were doing watching the game. I was, uh, earlier in the night, I, I was watching the Packers game and uh, it looked like it was a bit of snow there. It looked like it was pretty cold. And I watched the Bucks game today out in the backyard in the sun. Uh, probably got a little bit, a little bit of a sunburn today watching, uh, watching, watching the Bucks win, which was, uh, which was lovely. But uh, it did remind me, I, I, I went to a Packers game last year. It was the Lions. It wasn't even that cold, but uh, I wore, and you know, this was mostly because I was very like underprepared. I had some friends in Milwaukee um, from Australia, and uh, so we had a, a pretty big night the night before, and then we had a bus at like seven a.m. You know, this was 12 o'clock uh, kickoff. So I just, you know, at the time I was, I was tired. I was hungover. I was like, I don't even care. Like, I'll be fine. I put on Converse shoes. And before the game even started, I, I, I mean, I, I couldn't feel my legs like at all. And uh, it was, a, it was a, definitely a rookie error from me in terms of how to go dress to, to an NFL game. And watching that game tonight brought back some bad memories of the pain I was in during that game watching the Packers lose I think they lost 31 nothing in that game as well so it was a it was a bad day all, all around if you're a Packers fan one other guy I want to touch on you were talking about diversity of the offense a little bit and Sterling yeah exactly because I mean that, that's that's look at what Sterling's been able to do the, the last few games. And it was funny when, when the rotation changed up and we were talking about this, that, uh, you know, Dante was the guy that was coming in first. And he's looked like maybe he was ahead of Sterling in the pecking order. Maybe this is just going to change a lot. And that's probably something we would expect. But Sterling, the last couple of games, has been uh, the first off the bench. And he is someone that has a genuine point of difference in terms of being able to do stuff off the dribble, play a little bit of bully ball. Like, he, he's a physical guy. And there was one basket today where he just, I, I can't remember who the defender was, but he just ran directly into his chest, bumped him out of the way. It was like a Bledsoe finish at, at the rim. But uh, I, I looked at some of his numbers. This is not including tonight, but I know he had a, a couple of uh, finishes in the, in the restricted area. But last season, 
uh, Sterling Brown finished 63%, uh, was 63% at the rim uh, on, on 81 shot attempts. 26 of those were unassisted. So, yeah, I mean, this is really a guy that can get his own bucket. And I, I think for this Bucks team, that's going to be important when you do look at what Malcolm Brogdon did and, and what he uh, brought this team in terms of that point of difference. I think Sterling Brown is a guy that can, yeah, I'm not sure if he can be as important to this team as Brogdon was, but you know, him being able to do that and finish at the rim is going to be huge for the, for the Bucks. Yeah, we started to see that, I think, late last season a little bit more. Um, you know, the last month of the season was, <clears throat> you know, kind of a little of the dog days of the regular season as far as, you know, when you're um, a team that seemed to more or less have its playoff position kind of, for the most part, locked down. Um, granted, the Bucks only, you know, end up winning the, the East by, by two games. But um, but I think Sterling was one of the guys, especially on nights when people rested, and I think back to, like, that Utah game – or, sorry, the, the game in Atlanta. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he made a lot of plays that certainly rookie or Sterling Brown didn't, didn't make, right, when it came to, um, you know, finishing with his left hand, driving – um, being able to create off the bounce, uh, you know, at times even being able to, uh, you know, run little two-man game type stuff. And I think tonight you mentioned there were a couple of really strong, impressive takes by him to, you know, again, not that he's going to drive in and, and dunk on a lot of guys, but uh, to go in and, and play with with strength and finish, um, you know, putting off the glass a couple times. Uh, we know he obviously can knock down an open three, uh, which obviously is, you know, fundamental for, for any Bucks wing to be able to do that. Um, tonight hits one out of two from deep, five out of nine, 12 points, two steals, three rebounds. Um, but, you know, you would also say the Bucks bench units were really ineffective tonight, right? And, and again, you always – I never like to use individual plus minus in a single game as, like, reason to say a player was playing poorly. It's really more just to describe what happened when that guy was on the court. Tonight, Sterling was minus 18. Um, <laughs> or at least so was minus 13. Uh, I think we saw limitations of some of those um, some of those bench units. I think it looked like they tried to go Middleton deeper in the first quarter, so we didn't see. I don't know if we saw like the full bench unit um, as quickly as we normally do. Uh, Giannis didn't didn't come back until the second quarter. He was waiting at the bench, I believe, or waiting at the scores table, I think, until the second quarter. Um, you know, sometimes he comes back to the end of the first quarter. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the, the bench units struggled tonight. Um, but the starters obviously were, were really critical and, you know, Giannis plus 15, Brooke plus 15. Um, those guys certainly were, were the ones, the guys who were on the court when the good things were happening, uh, for the bucks. But, but yeah, I think Sterling, Sterling, I think is the guy, if you look at, you know, if you take that group that includes Corver. That includes obviously Wes Matthews is the the currently is still the starter. He's hits two out of five from deep tonight, six points, two assists, a steal in 32 minutes, which that's a lot of minutes for Wes Matthews. And yeah. obviously some of the, uh, the injuries, Middleton going out and, and Corbin not playing is, is certainly part of that. Um, but when you look at you know Wes, uh, Sterling, DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, um, you know that group, I think. Uh, there's, you know, unfortunately, none of them, none of them obviously is a Malcolm Brogdon type, right? That's obvious. But, um, but I think Sterling, again, when you just sort of combine kind of more like wing strength, right? I mean, Dante to me is, I just feel like Dante probably needs to continue to come off the bench just because even if he's playing really well, I just think he makes more sense as like that kind of 
combo guardish type guy. I don't think he makes as much sense to come in and, and start. Um, but I think Sterling is, is definitely an interesting guy. Um, if he can, you know, again, play within the defensive scheme, play within the offensive scheme, but then also, you know, when you need to show flashes of that ability to, to drive and finish and, and make plays, which obviously is, is one of the things that I think, you know, the Bucks they, they need to find somebody else other than, you know, Giannis, Bledsoe, and Middleton who can, who can do that kind of thing. Yeah, including tonight now Sterling up to 72% uh, shooting at the rim on the season. Obviously, you know, he hasn't played a whole bunch of minutes, so, so that might come down a little bit. But this is a, a fair sample size now of a guy that's going to be an efficient scorer at the rim. And, you know, if he continues to be someone that is going to be able to shoot uh, high 30s, uh, maybe low 40s from three, then that's an NBA player. And... When we talk about Dante, and and I'm still on I'm still on the Dante train. I haven't jumped off, but you know you spoke about that experience and and what we, you wouldn't have seen from from rookie Sterling, and he does like when you look at those two guys individually, Sterling Brown probably just looks like he's a guy that's been in the system a year longer, and some of those you know that that erratic play or mistakes that Dante makes, perhaps you know Sterling is going to be less likely to to make those, but. Yeah, again, we spoke about those two guys a lot and the fact that they're both you know, contributing uh, I think is a really good sign for the Bucs. And the only other note on, on the bench tonight, obviously Robin Lopez only plays nine minutes. This is going to be something to watch because you know, we spoke about him shooting threes at the start of the season and there really hasn't been a, a, a player in this Bucks system that can't really shoot threes. I mean, yeah, I mean, maybe Giannis. <laughs> but he, he gets a little bit of a pass for that, for some of the other things he can do. But, yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I mean, if Robin, like, if Robin isn't going to shoot threes and, and you know, shoots a, a terrible percentage from the outside and all he really brings offensively is that, like, little dinky hook shot and Bud's going to continue to play a lot of bench units, then it's going to be tough for him to play. I mean, if Bud goes in and mixes and matches with starters, then, yeah, you can get away with that because defensively, you know, he, he's been fine. Uh, but it, it'll be interesting to watch with Robin. Obviously, the more versatile, I would say, DJ Wilson is still sitting on the bench. But I did tweet about the, the, the all-bench unit. And the only thing, the only pass I'll have for that at the moment is that we spoke about uh, before the season started what the Bucks would do during the regular season and how Bud would, would treat the regular season. That's maybe the only thing I can say is that maybe Bud's like, yeah, I know it's not really great. I'm not going to play an all-bench unit in the playoffs, but it's also November and we're playing the Oklahoma City Thunder and I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I on the one hand, if playing an all-bench unit helps you save you know, Bledsoe and Middleton and, and even Giannis, uh, you know, like a minute or two more a game that, that adds up over a regular season, then that would be fine. But I, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think that that's necessarily something you have to do yeah. in order to, to maintain, you know, the, the kind of minute distribution that you have. So um, I think, I think this weekend was interesting in the sense that we saw Giannis at center a fair bit late in that Utah game. Um, which, you know, typically has not been not just Giannis at center, but, you know, but like, but the, I mean, there were like some, some real small ball lineups that we saw, I think uh, against Utah. Um, I think the other thing was we've seen Giannis play some full quarters in second halves of late, which is interesting because it felt like last year, even when the Bucks like seemed like they desperately needed Giannis on the floor, 
you know, if he started a fourth quarter, he would typically get a blow for like a minute or two, like midway through the fourth quarter. And I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, I think he played the full fourth quarter tonight. Um, he did not, he came out, you yeah. know, with a few minutes left in the, in the, third, I don't know. the it was third interesting in, against, uh, against Utah though, because at the, at the start of the fourth quarter, I remember when you talk about those guys, Sterling and Dante were, were the ones that, that had those really huge fourth quarter minutes after that ridiculous third from Giannis where he scored 21. It was kind of weird. Like Giannis was off the floor and it wasn't a full bench unit, but Sterling and Dante were able to keep the team afloat. But we know, you know, any, any minutes in, in key games, you're going to want Giannis on. But I would agree that the, generally being able to keep his minutes down. He's actually up to 33.1 minutes per game, uh, which is just a little bit up on last year. Yeah, I think because I think he played the full third quarter against Utah, if I remember correctly. And then he mentioned, right. <laughs> yeah, and then he, he, um, he rested to start the fourth. Then I think against uh, the Thunderton, I believe he played the entire fourth after leaving, I think, with four minutes or so left in the third. And I think he may have played the entirety of the fourth quarter against the Clippers as well. If I, I'm, I'm maybe just taking a stab at that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's kind of interesting. I mean, this week in particular, I mean, you know, with Middleton hurt, um, I think it makes a lot more sense that you would, you know, kind of make Giannis go the distance in the fourth quarter tonight. I mean, he finished with 36 minutes. So, I mean, again, it's not like, you know, you, you ran him out there for 42 minutes or 43 minutes or something like that. Right. By, kind of Jason Kidd era standards. This was like actually an average workload night for him. <laughs> um, but, you know, you've got off a few days and Middleton's out. So you don't have, you know, that, that, you know, kind of guy to help carry the load if you do try to give him a rest in the fourth quarter. So, um, so I think tonight, I mean, again, like <laughs> you really wanted to win this game, try to, you know, nail down that three and one road trip. Um, I'm sure Giannis didn't have a problem playing the entirety of, of a quarter, right? We know, uh, what what his his preference is going to be, especially late in the game when things uh, are coming kind of down to to crunch time. So um, so yeah, good to see that. And by the way, Giannis for the season now uh, from three, he's at thirty point eight percent, which is definitely encouraging. And he's you know hitting three. I, I liked it tonight. He didn't really like he he hit you know one in the first half. He hit that kind of maybe lucky one um, in the fourth quarter, and then. Uh, even the one he missed tonight, uh, George Hill ends up being in his uh, hashtag dunker spot, George Hill, um, to get the follow-up, which, again, was another shot that felt like, okay, that was going to be it. But um, but overall, you know, again, it feels like Giannis is, uh, is starting to feel pretty comfortable. And um, I guess he was two out of three tonight, two out of six the other night in Utah, so four out of nine there, eight out of 16 um, going back the last uh, last three games or so. So... Uh, certainly things trending in uh, in the right direction with that. But um, again, also had a weird night. He It seems like he airballs one free throw every night <laughs> and his free throw shooting is otherwise uncorrelated with that one miss tonight. He, he makes his first two, then misses two in a row and then made five out of five in the second half tonight. So that was encouraging to see. Although, um, yeah, it seems like he's just going to have these random airball misses uh, like every night or two, but Hey, if the percentage gets closer to 70% and obviously eventually over 70%, seven out of nine tonight, um, 64 and a half percent now in the season, uh, I guess I can survive. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate when, when he misses and misses badly, I always get like an onslaught of mentions where people <laughs> on Twitter are, 
are you know basically concerned about my health so thank you to everybody concerned about uh my you know free throw related anxiety with Giannis. uh thankfully tonight uh things kind of turn, <laughs> turned around after that air ball and uh obviously most importantly bucks come away with a much needed win yeah um look you weren't the only one frustrated tonight I, I, he sort of tore his jersey after that uh that that air ball and then uh went out the back and kicked a hole in a oklahoma city thunder sign i, I saw on, on on twitter as well so yeah he was he was pretty pissed off about that i, I think his third quarter play uh probably uh, indicated that but yeah you touch you know this is the last one on, on the three-point shooting it's interesting because you said just over 30 percent uh to to on the whole season now which Obviously, it's a nice number after that, that opening night against Houston. We were like, okay, here we go. He hit a couple. And then he had a really, really rough stretch of, of three or four games. But in that 30-point streak that uh, I mentioned at the, at the top, like I said, he's shooting 42% over the last five games on 4.2 shots a game, uh, attempts a game. So, I mean, he's never been someone that we've looked at and said, oh, well, geez, he's really scared of taking that shot. But, man, he's getting up, he's getting up some looks. Like, that's, that's decent percentages on volume. I mean, he's shooting better from three than Eric Bledsoe and Brooke Lopez. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's yeah, the, it, that's the stats. I, I don't know how good I feel about that, but that's what I'm looking at. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, I mean, I remember uh, not last year, but two years ago that he had a, a pretty good start. I remember there was a point in the season, like when the first, it wasn't after the first game, but it was maybe in the, inside the first 10 games where, um, where he actually uh, had, a higher shoot three point percentage than Steph Curry. Like Curry was like 33% and Giannis was like in the high thirties or something like that. Um, So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's one of those kind of weird, weird things that you can't always predict. He, he is, he's not quite there yet. He, Malcolm Brogdon's at 31.1% from three. Giannis is at 30.8%. So just to make us feel better, I think, you know, if, if Giannis could at least get above Malcolm for at least a little bit, I'm not expecting it to last, <laughs> but Giannis, Giannis passing random random uh, NBA luminaries who are clearly better shooters than him. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, hopefully, maybe 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 we could catch him for at least a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's definitely nice to see Giannis kind of looking uh, a bit more confident, and obviously, you know, to see his free throw stroke, and again, not really against Utah, eight out of thirteen that night, but to see his three point stroke starting to come around a bit and uh his free throw stroke a little bit as well obviously those things you know just generally kind of correlated i think with with shooting confidence um the better you're shooting kind of from all over the place you know, it also probably is going to run together and uh, we, we know that uh his his game uh finishing is is going to be elite 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 and although tonight he, he missed a couple bunnies early right yeah the weird so, one on man. the touchdown pass Middleton. yeah yeah, it was a uh, and and yeah, just and there was an overlay on a like a, a bounce yeah. pass from Bless. It just yeah, just kind of weird. Like I, I, I'm now I'm curious. I'm gonna after we're done here, I'm gonna look up what Giannis is in like second through fourth quarters because I think if you extrapolated his second through fourth quarters uh, over the whole game, he'd be averaging you know not 29.7 <laughs> points, but probably like 35 or 36 points per game. It just just seems like he's having a lot of slow starts um and then but once he gets rolling uh man he is he is something to watch yeah and uh the last year through december we remember we spoke about this a lot 12 for 78 from three uh, at around 14 percent. so that's progress people he is uh <laughs> he, at least he's not down there he's not gonna he's not gonna be at that mark at the end of the uh year we hope but uh 
Yeah. I mean, I, I was glad I was thinking about this, this podcast late. I was like, holy shit, this is, uh, this is going to be a, a pretty depressing one to roll through if the Bucks somehow managed to blow uh, an eight point lead in the, in the final two minutes against the, the Thunder. But uh, yeah, they snuck out a win. Unfortunately, you know, we spoke about the late game stuff in Utah, but overall, three and one out west. It's a pretty good, pretty good trip, and and now they get a couple of days off. Which for a guy like Middleton, who will wait to see how he feels, it it looked to me like a, a contact sort of injury there with with the the quad muscle anyway. So I, I'm tipping he's probably going to be feeling pretty bad tomorrow. But uh, I don't know. Unless there's something, anything else underlying, it might be one that the three days off uh, is a good thing for him. But other than that, uh, I think we, we we touched on most of the things. Have you got any uh, any final things to to throw my way here? No, I think just crossing your fingers. Obviously, that that yeah. Middleton is um, you know is is out a couple days and then set of like a couple weeks, right? I mean, you kind of never know with muscle injuries exactly um, what's going to happen. I think you know he he stayed in the game, shot the free throws, hit both of his free throws, but doesn't really say a whole lot there. Obviously, he did run back down to the other end of the court before they um, got a stoppage in play to, uh, to get him out of the game. And he went straight to the locker room and, you know, Zora Stevenson and said he was out. Like there was no illusion that he was going to come back in that game. So yeah, um, yeah I mean, it's uh, we'll have to see you hold your breath a little bit, um, but uh, fingers crossed that, um, you know, having those kind of extra days off here before the Bulls game. And, and again, you hope that obviously, you know, you don't want to take anything for granted. Maybe if he has to miss the Bulls game, yeah. that's a game you can win without him. And, and then you get him back for, uh, you know, some, some tougher games that are coming up a, a little bit later this month. So, um, you know, again, so much of, uh, you know, the NBA comes down to just health and availability of your best players. And certainly uh, you just, you know, hope that Middleton is not the, uh, the first of, uh, of, you know, many of these types of injuries, you hope that you can keep these main guys healthy and um, hopefully continue to keep some momentum. Let's keep banking wins. Right. Cause I think it'll, when you're a team like the bucks and obviously you want to, you, you want to be playing at a high level. Um, but a lot of it, you know, especially early in the season, ultimately, you know, you got to win games. If you want to have be a number one seed, you, you got to tend to just be able to grind out wins at times. Um, and for the most part, they've been able to do that. Obviously this road trip, as you said, could have, Hey, there's a there's a world where this was a one and three road trip, maybe. Um, yeah. But I think three and one, three and one feels like a like kind of the correct result, right? I mean, it felt like the Utah game; they were on the back foot, you know, that entire game. Um, whereas Clippers and tonight against Oklahoma City, it, it felt like they were the best team, and um, it just felt like more, you know, okay, is the other team going to stop hitting crazy threes long, <laughs> long enough for the Bucks to to hang on in this game? So, um, so yeah, three and one road trip, going back home. Hopefully get guys healthy, mainly Middleton, and um, yeah, look forward to uh, hopefully racking up some more wins uh, later this week. Yeah, I mean it's it's generally just the thing that good teams do, right? Sometimes you look and you're like, well, I don't know if that was the, the prettiest thing, but they they found a way to win those three games and now move to seven and three on the season. Uh, Boston and Toronto up top in the east it, it looks like the raptors are, are about to beat the the lakers at, at, at staples center actually so that's going to be a, a good win for for toronto but they've got a couple of injuries we saw gordon hayward broke his hand uh yesterday and the raptors had a, a couple of injuries with with the barker and there was one other injury they had uh that there was another guy missing for, for the raptors as well so that's a good win for them on the road but yeah it's always good to to keep pace uh with those teams up the top and the Bucks had a really tough start to the year schedule-wise. They got a little bit of luck with the personnel they faced. But, you know, getting for me, when I looked at the schedule, getting through this road trip was the first 
significant portion of the season there. They get a couple of days to regroup. And as you mentioned, Frank, uh, they'll get the Bulls uh, later this week. I'm not even going to try and guess what day that is. I think it's Thursday night, so or maybe it's Wednesday. Your your Friday, yes. Yeah, yeah perfect. Uh, but uh, other than that, I think we can leave it there. It's been, I think it's been nearly an hour. We nearly crossed the hour mark. But there was a <laughs> two there games. Was a couple, got a couple of games. There's a couple yeah. of games to get through. Exactly. We had the uh, the weekend. Oh, off. by the way, one one other thing to mention, just because I'm I, I do pay attention I, I, we've been talking a lot about sort of the bucks balance of threes versus stuff at the at, at the at the rim tonight 66 to 38 advantage in the paint yeah. um it, it surprised me a little bit um bucks only took 28 threes tonight uh the the thunder were 17 out of 42 41 percent so you know again you feel pretty good that you can kind of weather um a a, a three-point barrage like that a uh, two-point percentage 57% for the Thunder. So they were very effective. You know, you love to see that number be in the low 40s if you're the Bucks, um, like they they are on many nights. That's that's not easy to do. But the Bucks, 66% on twos tonight and those 66 points in the paint. Um, I believe the other night, I was actually really surprised by this. The Bucks actually ended up outscoring the Jazz in the paint 46 to 32, which really surprised me when that kind of game was all <laughs> thanks, told. Thanks, it- Giannis. Yeah, it felt like the Bucks had no points in the paint in the yeah. first half, roughly. Yeah. Um, so for them to kind of come away with that, I mean, Gobert, six out of ten from the line, but just one out of two uh, on on shots from the field for eight points. So they managed to kind of contain that that pick and roll attack. And obviously, uh, Jazz, fifteen out of thirty six from three. Both teams shot thirty six threes. The Jazz were plus fifteen. Uh, they hit fifteen. The Bucks hit just ten. So yeah, I mean, that was one of those nights where you shoot twenty eight percent from three and you know, ultimately they just could not get enough going uh, in the paint to, to win. And um, they did hold the jazz to 40% on twos. So again, getting that back to that number we like, but um, yeah, ultimately, you know, you're going to have some nights like this and they always seem to happen in Utah, I guess. Yeah. Still haven't won there since 2001. Ray Allen had 32 points in the last Bucks win in big Utah. Dog, big dog game winner. I remember that. Yeah. It, it was, was I, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, that's it was like a step back, step back jumper from Glenn Robinson to win it. That was fun. I did. I did think about the, the possibility of a Milwaukee Utah NBA finals after that game the other night. And I was like, well, shit, you, you want to get that home court because uh, <laughs> you, you're going to, you're going to need it in game seven, but because you don't want to be going to Utah. Uh, in game seven of the, of the NBA finals. But I think we're going to leave it there. As we, uh, we, we mentioned, the road trip three and one, the Bucks now seven and three on the season. For Frank Madden and myself, Kane Pittman, we'll speak to you guys tomorrow.